in Miami, I've noticed the past, I've been here for about five years now. I think it's really growing as like an entrepreneurial community. It's like forced this like cool, vibrant city that was just about partying. And now it's becoming kind of like this little entrepreneurial hub that a lot of like um, digital nomads are moving to. Welcome back or welcome to the Business in Board Shorts podcast. I'm your host, C.T. Cope. I have a love of the ocean, business, entrepreneurship, and wanted to merge those together to interview coastal entrepreneurs and business owners. So that's what this podcast is all about. Let's dive into today's episode with Tyler Wagner from Miami, Florida. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Grateful to be on. So tell our listeners uh, your business. Yeah, for sure. So started it about nine years ago. Uh, it's called Authors Unite. Website's authorsunite.com. And our, I guess, tagline, I guess you could say, we help people become successful authors. And we do that in various ways, all the way from helping them write the book, publish the book, and then even uh, more so, we we focus on the marketing of the book. Um, so yeah, that's that's what we do. Hi, how did that get started? Yeah, good question. So the the backstory is I was 20, I'm 29 now. So I was 20 years old in college, two years in, and we actually just spoke about this before we hit uh, record. I read the four hour work week um, by Tim Ferriss. And then it like, I don't know, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but like my mindset was just completely shifted. And I was like, dude, this degree is not going to do anything for me. Like I just, it's, I just know it's not the path for me. So either way, it gave me the courage and I feel like it equipped me with the knowledge I needed to, or the confidence I needed more so to drop out. So I drop out and then, um, I decide I want to be a public speaker cause I'm like a pretty personable guy. I love talking to people. So I'm going to, I'm going to be like a Tony Robbins or something. <laughs> and, um, so I, I but I, then I quickly realized all these uh, successful public speakers, they're all authors. And in fact, most of them are best-selling authors. So then it uh, occurs to me like, okay, well, I'm 20 years old. I'm 80 grand in debt, just dropped out of school. Like I, I really have no expertise, at, you know, in a business sense. So like, why would anybody pay me to like speak to their crowd? Like they, they should pay me to like leave the, the event probably. <laughs> so um, basically what happened is I wrote, I decided to write a book. I wrote it. It became an Amazon bestseller. And uh, completely just changed my life. And wh- what happened is I did get book- booked on some gigs, but my speaking career, I, again, I was 20. So I was like nervous on stage and stuff. And uh, what took off quicker was people started reaching out to me like crazy. And, you know, nine years ago, I'm sure you remember like like Facebook and stuff, the organic reach was way more. So like you didn't really need like ad money. Like you posted something, it would like my post would get like 300 likes, like sometimes like four or 500 comments, like they, they would go pretty far organically. So when I wrote a book, that's what happened. So I literally had hundreds of people being like, dude, I've been wanting to write a book. Like, how did you do it? How'd you make it bestseller? And then next thing you know, I help a few friends for free and to just test it to see like, will they get similar results? They did. And then I packaged it up. Nine years later, we've had almost 1500 clients. So that's, that's how we're just fell into it. Kind of. That is amazing. As growing up, uh, you know, going through college when you were kind of struggling and you were like, that's it, I'm, I'm transitioning. I'm out of here. Mm. Was, did writing come natural to you? Was that something that you always enjoyed? No. So, so that's, what's funny is like, I, and I run a publishing company. I don't 
find writing to be that enjoyable. I find it very difficult. Um, but like talking to people, I find very enjoyable and easy. So I, the book was more of like a means to an end where I just was like, I, I know if I can just do this, it'll get me closer to where I want to be. But I didn't do it out of like, I want to write, you know, <laughs> like that. it was a struggle. And what would you say when you started Authors Unite? What was like the aha moment when you said to yourself, like, I have something here, like, this is really, this is going to go somewhere. Yeah, it really hit me when, it j really just when people started reaching out, I started to realize like how many people had an interest of becoming an author. And there's actually, um, I can't remember how long ago this was, but there's a quote in a New York Times article or something that says like 80% of people believe they have a book inside them. And like, you know, I think it's true. Like I almost think it's even higher than that. Like I think most people, whether they believe they can or they can't, most people by the time they're like, maybe like 30 years old, let's say just picking a random number, they have at least thought once, like I, I want to write a book, you know? So it's like, I, I just started to realize, I was like, wow, this is like a huge market. I figured out a lot of the aspects by just like failing myself by going through the process. So I was like, I can really like shorten this up for a lot of people and charge a fee for it. And that's when it, the ha aha moment came. I think there's a lot of truth there because I think you're you're totally right. There, we all have these ideas, and hey, this could be a book, that could be a book, but yeah. then you get bogged down with, well, I don't know how to do this part or that part, or this part. So you don't, so you do nothing. Exactly. So there's a lot of truth to that. And it's it's typically a secondary thing, right? You know, because like people have jobs, they have families, so it's it's kind of like this thing that they really want to do, but it it's all it always gets pushed to the back burner. So it, it, it's, there's a lot of reasons why like people invest in doing it because, you know, money is like an energetic thing too. It's if, if you invest in a publisher or you invest in a book marketer, chances are you're going to finish that book. Cause if not, you just like lit your money on fire. You know? So like, it's a, it's a good way to make yourself accountable to actually get the job done. What would you say is one of the most underrated aspects? You know, when people are thinking about a book, they're seeing it on audible or the physical yes. copy, uh, you know, that's a finished product, but what do you see as one or two really underrated things that are really important to get it right? Oh yeah. Great question. So first thing is the story. So in nonfiction, I see this all the time and it's, it's, I feel like it's like in our nature or something like when you know something from a business sense, you want to just like give people an outline, you know, cause you figured it out. Right. So you just want to be like, look, man, step one is this step two is this. And they, if you follow these 10 steps, you're going to get this outcome. The problem with that is that that's a very boring book, you know, like people, although it might get them the result people, when they read that, they're not going to like tell their friends about it. They're not going to, they're not going to enjoy it. And they might not even implement it because of how boring it actually was reading it. So what I found the most successful books, they're literally like 95% story. So the store and a story is valuable in its own right. But if you were trying to teach somebody something and you really want your book to have the best chance for long-term like viral success, the story is number one, 95% story, and then sprinkle in the value points and the steps within the story. Not the other, and I see the other way around most often. And that's why books, you know, they'll perk up right at the launch and then they just phase out. 
Um, so I'd say that's the first thing. And then second thing is the marketing, like actually planning for it. Um, cause a lot of times I see it where, you know, the person like finishes their book, they're just about to publish and then they'll start doing research of like, Oh, how am I supposed to market this thing? It's like, well, really you should have started like six months ago. And all honesty, you know, like there's a lot of things you could have been doing. So I would say, try to have that mindset of like the marketing plan and execution actually starts. It starts when you start writing the book, not when you finish the book. Hey, it's CT. I'm interrupting my own show because I'm now open to new clients or I have a wait list for website design projects and marketing strategy sessions. If you're tired of throwing your marketing dollars down the drain and want a website that actually drives new business, let's hop on a call. You can book a free hour with me at ctkaup.com slash B-I-B. That's C-T-K-A-U-P-P dot com slash B-I-B. No fluff, no BS, just everything you need to up your online presence today. Now back to the show. And I've seen a lot just that I've learned over time uh, with my own business and seeing people publish books, write books, all that. The pre-sale or, you know, those first couple months leading up to the actual launch. How important is that? Just from the outside, it seems like that's a really important uh, ingredient. Uh, yeah, it can be. So like there's there's multiple ways to launch a book. So one way is like pre-sales and it's like part of a bigger campaign, but ultimately you can upload your book on Amazon, set it for pre-order, and then people can pre-order the book and then all those sales collectively will be accounted for when it releases. So that's definitely a very good way of like, if you plan on doing a lot of advertising, you have a big audience and you want to start marketing it early to hit a major bestseller list, pre-order can be a very good idea. Um, and the other way is, is, is actually literally to get those sales in a week time period. And that way also works because you can kind of create like scarcity. You can be like, look, the book's releasing this day. It's only discounted from this day to this day, like a one week time frame. And then you have all your marketing assets already, like all your partners that are going to mail out about the book. You know, marketing is limitless. So you get a million different things. But essentially, you want it all to hit within one week so that you get, like, if you get 10,000 sales in a week and they're diversified on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and a couple other bookstores, your chances of hitting like Wall Street Journal bestseller is, is pretty dramatically high. Wow. So that's how you'd want to go about that. Very cool. What would you say is one of the things that you've learned through this process of starting your your own business here? Um, I mean, uh, on, on the business growth side, I, I would say like for me, partnerships has been everything. So what I realized, like we offer editing, publishing and all, and all those services for an author that's just starting out. But we, what I realized early on was that most publishers, in fact, I really can't even name a publisher that like does marketing for their authors. So, and there's a few, right? So there's a few, but there's really not many. And I realized that early on. So I was like, okay, if I, if I become a master at marketing for authors, not only will there not be that much competition, but I don't even have to go direct to consumer. What I can do is just build relationships with all the publishers and they'll just refer me their pool of authors to handle all the marketing. And that's been tested and tried and it works. So I think any business, if you can find the right, like complementary partners that you're not competing directly against, but that you can refer to each other, 
it's very scalable. And like we, we use LinkedIn, we have thousands of people that refer to us, we, we refer to them. Um, so I don't know, hopefully that's just, it's, it's helpful for people. Cause I think when you get into this online marketing game, you know, all you hear is like Facebook ads, Google ads, SEO, and it can be pretty overwhelming and it's really hit or miss. Like it takes a while to get those things to work, but you know, good old relationship building, man. Like it's, it's just, it always works in my opinion. Like you can't, if you have a good product and you build the right relationships, you know, that that's all you need. So it worked in 1925. So it'll work yeah. in 2025 <laughs> yeah. and 3025 as well. I think so, man. I don't think it's going to go out of style. <laughs> So to switch gears, you're based in Miami. Have yeah. you always grown up there? No. So I'm originally from a small town in Pennsylvania, like an hour north of Philadelphia. And how, what brought you to Miami? The weather. So that was, uh, I, I, uh, I call it seasonal depression. And uh, somebody else told me that when I was younger, but basically all growing up in Pennsylvania, six months out of the year, I was like the happiest, like just funnest guy ever. And then the other six months I was like, dude, I don't even want to be around myself right now. <laughs> like it is cold. I, and, and it's like, it's like that thing where I don't want to think about going outside. Like if I want to go outside, I just want to go outside. And if it's cold, I sit in, I'm like, is it worth going to the grocery store? Is it like, am I that hungry to go through the pain of that cold? <laughs> like that's so, um, either way in Miami, you don't have that problem. You can go out 24 seven whenever you want. And it's always warm. And what is the vibe there? This, from somebody on the outside, all yeah. I know about is it's just, it seems very populated, uh, pretty dense. Yeah. What, what, what's, what's the vibe around in Miami? Yeah. So the, what's interesting is like most people from an outside perspective would probably imagine it's just like a party. Like we're, we're right in South Beach, Miami's, and, and it is that. Like, you know, there's a lot of bars, clubs, like it, it is party central. But there's also in Miami, I've noticed the past, I've been here for about five years now. I think it's really growing as like an entrepreneurial community type of thing because a lot of like corporate jobs down here, if you want like any chance in working at them, you need to speak Spanish as well as English because there's more people that speak Spanish down here than English. Um, so, and you know, not a lot of people can speak both languages. So inevitably, if you live here, you're either speaking Spanish and working for a corporation or you're starting your own business. You don't really have it or you're working in the restaurant industry or something like, you know, that could work too. So, but either way, I think it's like forced this like cool, vibrant city that was just about partying. And now it's becoming kind of like this little entrepreneurial hub that a lot of like um, digital nomads are moving to, you know? So that's what it's, it's cool. I, I really like it. And as long as you can control yourself, it's, um, you know, it's a good place to be. <laughs> I love that. No, it's really cool to see the evolution, you know, of different areas and, um, yeah. talking to somebody in Austin and how that's, that's changed. Oh dude, Austin's so. growing like crazy. Right. Because yeah. everybody's, that's the thing. Well, Florida is too, because everybody's, that's a whole nother conversation, but everybody's leaving California be, for many reasons. And you know, <laughs> you know what's going on. So. I'll, I'll get you on, on this. What is the best business advice you've received and the best life advice? Um, business advice, uh, probably your network is your net worth. My first like ever like big mentor that's, he, he taught me that. And I, you know, obviously I, I took it to heart. Um, biggest life advice I'd say was I, I actually lived in San Diego. So not to diss California completely. It's just changed a lot, but you know, four years I lived there before Miami and I kind of went on like a very deep 
spiritual personal development journey when I was there. It was right after I dropped out of school. And like just the, I learned like the present moment there about how like, you know, when you're younger, you're always like, oh, when I'm older, I want to be like this. And when you're older, you're like, oh, I wish I would have enjoyed those younger. It's like at the end of the day, all you have is this moment. So this moment is literally the best moment it ever could be because it's all there actually is. Everything else is just a figment of your imagination. And somehow the people in San Diego and my just like reading books and just meditating, I, you know, you go in and out of it, but I am able easierly to tap into the present moment. So I'd say that. I love that. That's, that is freaking beautiful right there. (laughs) All right. If uh, my listeners want to check you out, where, where can they check out Authors Unite? Yeah. So websites, authorsunite.com. If you want to hit me up directly, Instagram's probably best. Tyler B. Wagner is the handle. Awesome. I appreciate it, Tyler. Have a good one. Yep. Thanks for having me.